0: What days
1: collective? This is Take Two. It's Take Two.
0: Sinead Walsh! (laughs) What's up? What's up? The one thing I wanted to tell you, right, and I've been holding it.
1: Okay.
0: Is I went to watch Bellator MMA. So are you like into sports and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to watch it live. (laughs) Right. And I've been buzzing for so many months. And he and when the announcer announced like Sinead Kavanaugh versus Leah McCourt,
1: yeah, it was like Sinead. <laughs> I was
0: like, I want that name,
1: it's a great name, like, it it's is. such a
0: good announceable name, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like,
0: moving forward,
1: <laughs> Sinead Shaw,
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, like, you can't get married, that you can have that. Um, <laughs> I was gonna
1: say, change your name, but yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> can have that.
0: Um, I have no problems with Visa because, like, Europe, but. Just for the crack, you know, like you can have my surname. Definitely, sweet. sweet. <laughs> but but, anyways, for your comedy gigs, mm. I think you should either have someone announcing <laughs> your uh, name, uh, uh. like this. I don't know, like how like close that. you are with like your announcer buddies, <laughs> but like going on to the, like the next one is like, and your host.
1: You know what, <laughs> What? It's yes. Like, you know what? When I'm hosting. I always try and like, so there's like an ed, a certain etiquette to uh, introducing uh, your next comedy act or whatever. And I, I had to learn this, Um, but you can't pick them up too much in case they mightn't do well or they, do, you know, the the audience. So, so you know, when you like put like a lot on someone where you'd be like, they are the one of the top comedians and blah, 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 blah. So I try not to do that. But what I do do is give them a big like, you know please welcome to the stage I know, Ali O'Rourke you know so I think it um <laughs> I think it is uh, yeah I think it's a, a nice thing to bring someone onto the stage like that and I used mm. to do MMA as well um Did you? so yeah 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 so I for can understand long? uh for three years okay quite a while yeah 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 and uh Look, like Sinead Cavanaugh is an animal, an absolute animal. Oh um, my god she's
0: so scary. She's unbelievable. <laughs> like,
1: she's so nice. Is she's she? so nice. So I used to train in the same gym as our SPG. Like SBG? Yeah, so I started in. Where was the first? I started in a place in Swords. I was there for a while. Then I went to Team Rhino, which was out in mm. Finglas. And then I went to, because my job moved, so I ended up out in SPG on the old, uh, what's it called? The Long Mile Road. And Sinead was there. And uh, yeah, she's incredible. Oh my God. She's such a nice person as well. Um, really, really sound. A lot of them are. A lot of them are very, very yeah. nice people, you know, and very chilled out and that kind of thing. So yeah.
0: Fucking three years. Yeah, there you well, go. Like, did you quit just because it was getting too much? Was no,
1: it? I moved to Cork um, mm-hmm. I lived in Cork for three years and when I moved there There was just so like I was so busy with work and um the person I was with at the time moved down shortly after and moved in with me and we were just kind of caught up in in a lot of things at the time mm-hmm. um and I let it go. I let a lot of hobbies go which we we'll can probably get into later eventually i came around to comedy which was nice but um i still like it a lot like i mean i you know any chance to go boxing or kickboxing things like yeah. that I, I will take um but i haven't done it in a long time now so which was
0: your favorite part of mma let's that oh, it out. was it
1: thai. The- my day th- yeah like that's what i and- do oh no Mai way thai. yeah is it around here yeah 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 unreal yeah. And I, I might believe that out i don't want people to know <laughs> where i am that's fine that's that, fine that's Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no 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 but yeah okay. exactly and how long are you doing it
0: uh, I only started in January Good and idea. that's just because of like being an adult and hobbies yeah that's something that a lot of people should really think about is yeah. what do you do outside of work
1: so I don't want to, I don't want to, like, I don't know what questions you have lined up or whatever, but yeah, I got to a point with comedy or so, so I got to a point in life. I got out of that relationship. It was in hindsight, quite a, uh, like a, a toxic relationship Um, for reasons I'm not going to get into obviously now, but I had a chat with myself one day essentially. And I was like, okay, what is, what is my dream job? And I wasn't able to answer that. Mm. And I was like. That's weird because so much of my life is work, and then I was like, okay, what are my hobbies? I was like, well, I'm not fighting anymore. I'm not playing football anymore. I watch football, but that's like that's, that's not, not exactly a hobby. A
0: hobby
1: yeah. I, I I It was that moment that I realised I have lost my way somewhere here, and I don't even think I was in the emotional space at the time or mental space to be able to pull myself back on track. But I knew I would have to eventually, and between one thing and another as the universe does um it put comedy in my tracks and yeah I'm so grateful it did because I think I I really lost my way for a few years there you know and now I'm happier than I've ever been you know so yeah it's uh it's interesting
0: it's so awesome sometimes the the way the world works it presents opportunities palm of your hand and it is that decision that you have to make of listen, am I going to take this? Mm. I, I am going to be out of my comfort zone for a very long time. Yeah. But most of the time, these options are there. It's like, are you going to like welcome it?
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Because even with comedy, like for your... I am obviously never going down that route just because of like my nature as a person. <laughs> but I can only imagine an opportunity like that and being like, I will shit my pants on stage. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a fairly natural. Uh, it's such a
0: natural thing. Yeah, like that's yeah. probably one of not one of the toughest. Like this is not a, a fucking competition of what's tougher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is very scary of like putting yourself out there and people not laughing Absolutely. at your jokes.
1: Absolutely. It's it's yeah. Look, I mean, it, it's very easily a possibility. You know what I mean? I was very fortunate with the people that were around me at the time. So I was working in a place in Cork called the Maridock Entertainment complex my boss came to me one day and was like we're opening a comedy club and I was like cool uh, I was the marketing and sales manager at okay. the time and I was like deadly and he was like and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and blah 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 and here's where it's gonna be I was like yeah deadly and uh, bearing in mind I was in like the height of a depression at the time and I was like what you want me to do? And he was like, Yeah, do you need the local? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, Market it obviously. And I was yeah. like, that I was so on brand for him. So anyway, um, yeah, and then there was two comics that came in to run the place. One of them was Mike Morgan, um, who is Honestly, one of Ireland's brightest prospects at the moment. Like, he's incredible. But I spent a lot of time in that club and other clubs. Um, uh, Specifically, like, obviously watching other comics, but specifically Mike. And oh, Mike is so good. Like, he's so good. And then I fell in with another guy called Cornelius uh, O'Sullivan. And yeah, I suppose. So I always had good guidance in terms of I'd have a bit. And I'd be like, OK, what do you think of this? And they'd be like, too shock factor don't do that and that's what a lot of comics do early on or they'd be like that's not funny or you know try the method of threes there you know funny funnier, funniest or you know there's different little different techniques and stuff so so they helped me with those little tips at the beginning and and went from there so i don't really know like i mean jesus of course there's rough gigs and you have to learn and that kind of thing but i'm gonna
0: stop you there he's taking a fucking
1: dump I is think. that what it is Neon. i thought someone was coming in. i can't hear out this ear at the moment so i thought someone was what do was you at the mean, front you can't door. hear out of this ear as in it just it it gets a bit fucky sometimes Stop. so yeah 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 really? so it's a bit fucky but yeah okay he's done
0: <laughs> i really hope it wasn't a shite
1: honestly <laughs> it's okay don't worry neon <laughs> i have plenty of friends with plenty of pets so i promise you it's all good um, no it's
0: all good for me because like i have a gag reflex <laughs>
1: <laughs> Debbie pukes on her own podcast. Oh, yeah, Tune in. Yeah, like
0: I'll be gagging. As in, if he's doing nothing, it's fine. And like, I'll leave this <laughs> in. But like, I have a really bad. I have no idea how I'm gonna deal with like parenthood. Her, yeah. for now, she's been relatively okay. <sighs> If anyone's listening, by the way, I got a puppy. And Sinead and I are filming... (laughs) The most adorable um, puppy. Fucking washing his hands like on the fucking litter box. I'm telling you, I I
1: have no normal
0: anything in here.
1: (laughs) I think your girlfriend's going to be pretty pissed off at that statement, to be honest. No, she's
0: not normal either. (laughs) uh, Fuck you. Fuck everyone. (laughs) I love this. No, no. But but anyways, I just got a puppy and we're filming at my place. It's a Saturday, right? So I've got a puppy on my fucking lap, <laughs> Neon the cat is, as usual, timing everything oh. as horrible as can be. Perfectly. And I have a really bad gag reflex. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> the Men. thought
0: of, like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll get into that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see if the <gasps> shitty smell kicks in, and then we'll actually pause it if that's yeah, the case. That's okay. That's Anyways. Okay. Yeah, Mike. (laughs) Yes,
1: just, uh, yeah, I suppose, like, I was lucky. um, Like, don't get me wrong, there were gigs where I went up and obviously you have to learn, you know what I mean? Mm. But I just got so obsessed with it straight away. Like, I remember I was maybe, like, a minute and a half, two minutes into my very first five-minute set. And I literally remember thinking, like, oh, my God, I fucking love this. Like, this is... This is it. Like, I I don't know if you've ever put on, like, a pair of shoes that just feel like they fit perfectly instantly, but that was what it was like. And Mike always says... um, So he filmed my first set, and he said to the T... Like, it was, like, 10 seconds left in the set, and I reached over for the mic stand to put it back. And he, he looked at Con, and he goes, fucking hell, she's timed this well. And then I finished, and the place you know they got a very warm uh i suppose applause after and mike turned around to con and said uh oh, she's fucked now kid <laughs> she
0: she and, got it and like- that's
1: it yeah and then i just it was like i just like i'm not like eminem or anything but i was like i was thrown up to like music open mic like, nights in cork, and cork me like can i have five minutes and they're like yeah but this is a music open mic night and like i don't give a shit like i just i need the five minutes and and they would give it to me and you know and i always say now that comedy happens in the rooms of bars that nobody cares about like that's kind like the the saying or the mantra I have, but um it was very much that in the early days, you know what I mean? Where I was going to like I was fucking performing to like a man and his dog, essentially, you know, but it helped me work things out pretty quickly and and you know, look, I'm still very new, as in I'm in a three and a half years, which is still pretty new. Like for, I'm friends with people who are like 10, 12, 20 yeah. years in a bus. My progression has come along nicely. Like I'm happy with the rate of progression, mm. um, and just keep working my ass off. And and what get would better.
0: like a not even a reward, but what do you measure yourself by in comedy terms? Anyways, is um, it laughs or is it
1: yeah. how many seats
0: are? In yeah,
1: that's an interesting question. Actually, I'm not sure I've ever actually really considered quantifying it. But I think. Mm. I think obviously so I, I run my own gig as well, the Sunday Rollover, which is a brunch time gig and it happens monthly in Bow Lane. So when I have that hat on, so so that's the thing in my life, right? I wear a lot of different hats at different times. Um uh, but yeah, when I have my promoter hat on, of course it's ticket sold, uh, repeat business, how did the bar do? Um, did the were the comics happy at the end of it, you know, like all mm. that factors in. When it's my own performance Yeah, laughs are a big thing, right? So there's certain, like, mechanics that you can, or a certain number. So, for example, you are aiming for the professional level is roughly seven laughs a minute, right? So, yeah. And then I had a chat with a comic, uh, Eddie Malarkey who owns Crackdown in town. And Eddie is absolutely incredible, uh, fantastic comedian, but he said to me, we had a, a conversation and he said, um, you know what I do sometimes? He was like, I write out my set or like type it out. He he was like, I highlight where I get the, the laughs. And then he was like, and I try and reduce the in-between so that my gag ratio is higher. So what you're almost aiming for is nearly like a laugh every line is kind of how you, you right. need to think about it. You know, that's, that's where you need to get to. So yeah, so there's that as well. Like I had a gig during the week there in the Comedy Cellar in the International and some lines that usually smash, like fell, you know, the the crowd was silent and I was really annoyed at myself afterwards. Not that, I hadn't delivered well I felt th- like I'd done the performance I've smashed up that room with that material before it just didn't resonate with the crowd as well as it usually does and I was annoyed at myself for that for not figuring that out earlier you know and or mm. adjusting course and stuff so yeah I think after a while you very much know yourself whether you've done well or not you know and I'm very hard on myself a lot of the time yeah. but I'm okay with that because I'm ambitious and that's how I've gotten to where I am now you know what I mean so yeah
0: I, I like what you said there because I feel like a lot of people that are uh, can resonate with the fact that they are hard on themselves, they are their harshest critics, a lot of people around them, I used to get so much like, not abuse, but I used mm. to get really picked on mm. for being very hard on myself. Does that make sense?
1: Holy shit.
0: Not picked on, but it was kind of like an issue for mm. someone else yeah. if I was... Being hard on myself, yeah, which I never understood because I was like, "This is for me to improve." I don't understand how this is your issue. Yeah, yeah. But as like you grow older, you understand that that is their issue for a fucking reason. A
1: hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think, I think there's two thing, two things that sprung to my mind as you were talking there. I think one, I don't make my, I don't make my criticism of myself, someone else's problem. Yeah. Like I, I'll i come off stage. So I I, I mentioned the, the person I'm dating at the moment. That was their first time uh, watching me do stand up. And that definitely played a factor in my nerves. Okay. I got off stage. There was a break shortly after I went downstairs. They came down after me. They were like, oh my God, well done. You were great. I was like, <sighs> um, and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be like this, but I was like, I just need my pissy five minutes to be annoyed at myself and a little bit angry at myself. Yeah. And then, I'll be fine, and then we had a great night after, and it was fantastic. Um, so I try not let that, that whatever I'm consume, feeling, yeah. yeah, and and not consume people around me because that's that's not the case. Now the other thing that you mentioned, or the other thing that sprung to mind as you were talking there was, um, was oh, damn, it's after fucking slipping my mind. Now. I can't, I definitely need more coffee. But um, <laughs> I actually have a cold brew if you want. Yeah. No. I forgot about the gold brew. It's okay. I can't remember now. No, no, no. It's okay. But anyway, I think my overall point is, it's okay. It's okay to be harsh on yourself once you have a grip on it. Once it it doesn't let, once you don't let yourself spiral, I think it's fine. Because the only, and this is something I loved about MMA and boxing as well. I, I played team sports my whole life. And then I found this. The only person I need to beat on a day to day basis is myself, absolutely, and I'm okay with that because I have high standards and I expect, uh, like I expect high standards of myself, and that's fine because I'm not pushing that bullshit in other people. So I wake up and my competition today is myself. I got to do better than the last gig. I got to do better than the last day at work. I got to do better than the last launch project. Mm. And it doesn't consume me the way it used anymore. So I think I found like a healthy enough balance now where I'm like...
0: When did you figure that balance out?
1: (sighs) It's taken a long time. Has it? Yeah, it's taken a long time. It's taken... It's taken a couple of breakdowns. It's taken... Um it's I, th- I think sometimes you need to almost lose control to uh, like to realize how bad things have gotten or how not to handle Ooh, stuff Yeah, you know work stress was like a huge thing for me throughout my career and yes. I think that was part of the part of the reason I needed to find something that wasn't work anymore so I think definitely when I started in my current job that's that's absolutely helped um Something about the pandemic has changed me and I can't quite put my finger on what... In a positive way. In a positive way. Yeah. I used to be like a caged animal before I'd go on stage. I used to let work stress consume me so much. Now, I'm so much more chilled out about everything, like about, yeah, about everything. And, And I don't know how or why this happened because you would think, right, say with comedy, I hadn't been on stage in a year say there was a year gap where we weren't on stage we were just doing zoom gigs yeah. and then all of a sudden i was back and it was like i was so grateful for it that the nerves nerves are still there to a degree but the tension is not there anymore because i'm like yeah i get to do my favorite thing in the whole fucking world and um, i feel like
0: it's an element of not taking things for granted anymore probably like sense. it's a gratitude like like a deep down gratitude yeah. kind of thing, where it's yeah. like, yeah, I am not going to slow myself down. I think that's the one thing that I got out of the pandemic. Yeah, like pre pre pandy Debbie <laughs> versus post, is yeah. I am a little bit more ruthless when it comes to creative product pro- projects Forward. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Also, I went into it at the age of twenty two, and now I'm twenty five. So yeah. there's that element. Holy of, fuck! Yeah, I know. Like my early 20s, a lot of people that are listening to this probably can resonate with that. Yeah. They got into it in their early 20s and they're now in their mid-20s. Very different.
1: Oh, you're a you different know? person. Like 100%. A, a completely
0: different person to the point where the other day I was like, I am not even a, I'm not saying I'm not a young adult anymore, yeah. but there's a seriousness that comes yeah. with 25 versus 22.
1: Absolutely. I, yeah.
0: And it caught up with me. Because mm-hmm. at first... I again, I was always very, very hard on myself and very impatient. Mm. Hence, me leaving water uh, uh, de- at 21 and yeah. getting everything over with. I was yeah. very impatient. Mm. And then, when that pandemic hit, I was like, fuck. I know. I know. And the, uh, at first, I was very resentful. Yeah. Very resentful. Of course, you were, yeah. Because yeah. I was like, this shit got like taken away from me. I think, especially lockdown two and lockdown three. Yeah. I was really, not even heartless, but I was very done. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah so I, 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 even any government decisions at all this, I was like, you are slowing me down here. 100%. I was so angry. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Like,
1: I, I, I totally resonate with that. Absolutely. And I think like. Okay, so first of all, what you said about they like going from 22 to 25, yeah, you're a, you are a different person, yeah. And actually, now that you say it, maybe turning 30 over the pandemic was definitely a a factor probably, of that, yeah. you know, probably. And there's a great quote that I love that I, I found in like my early to mid 20s that it, I think it was from the former CEO of Yahoo, mm-hmm. um, or COO, I can't remember her name now, which is terrible, but the quote is. I spent all of my 20s fighting to just keep my head above water. And then when I hit my 30s, I realized the water was only three foot deep. So I stood up. And Oof. there you go. Oh my God. And that's exactly how I feel. I'm like, it, it, there's just something in you that as you get a bit older, and I'm not saying 30 is the cutoff or, or anything no. like that, you know, because, like, you know, everyone has a different life experience. but yeah that for me was like I, I feel that difference and I, I can't don't get me wrong I get stressed out about things still of course I do I'm, I'm a human but
0: nature as well eh? like,
1: exactly and it, but it's very much pick your battles now you know what I mean um, you don't yeah. have
0: time for this you, you know <laughs> exactly. what I mean like exactly. I can't be arsed
1: 100% just, and, uh,
0: we, we were chatting before this on just social media and like yeah. people being like really strung up and all that kind of thing and Sometimes when people say, "Go get a hobby <laughs> it, it it as rude as it sounds, it's kind of like figure your thing out mm-hmm. to the point where you're not ours, you can't be arse about what the fuck is happening, like w- yeah. in someone else's life and all that, yeah, and it's really strange, right? because as I started this podcast, obviously, the people that I'm bringing on and that I'm now surrounding myself with and by yeah. whatever. Are very ambitious, yeah. which is helping me out a lot, and that's something that I've always like wanted. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I'm not before. I'm not saying I was the ambitious one in the circle. That's not far from the case. But oh. Jesus Christ! Oh my I God! We're this. never doing this on no, my face yeah. again. <laughs> um uh, <laughs> so just threw up. <laughs> Anyways. Um, when so like i'm surrounding myself with like mass people and yeah it's amazing mm. and i'm not threatened by it anymore and before a lot of people used to be threatened by anything that anyone wanted to do yeah and i think a lot of irish people resonate with that like oh, notions shit, yeah. malta oh, we don't have a word for it but it is very like crabs in a bucket mentality sort of thing you i know? love
1: that yeah yeah yeah
0: so uh where the fuck was I going with this? But, um, uh,
1: ambition. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're surrounded by more ambitious people now. And
0: ambitious people. And now you can only learn from others. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't affect you anymore. hundred percent. You know, and uh-huh. also like sometimes when you see other people succeeding, before it was like, oh, fuck, you know, like uh, I should be doing this. Like I used to really attack myself. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, they got to 10K absolutely on tiktok what have they been doing yeah and rather than looking at their content and like like not even hate watching i've never hate watched i'm now looking at the dates how often are they posting
1: yeah of course like Like,
0: the your like brain starts to function very differently where you're like you're taking note of these people yeah
1: yeah to help you out 100 percent. i think like yeah, like when I look at, and it's so funny because I spent like many years of my career kind of being a social media specialist, right? So, um, and when it came to comedy, and there are some comics out there, particularly in, like Irish comics and nail, Naila, uh, UK comics as well, they're great for it. But like, you know, that kind of sketch comedy or like TikToks and stuff like that. Yeah. And I have friends that are blowing up on TikTok right now. And like that, had this been 10 years ago, I'd have been looking at them going... What the fuck are they doing that I can't do? Like, I mean, you know, I'm better stand-up than them or whatever. And now, like, that, that is absolutely not the case. There, there is, I think, once you learn to take the ego out of initial base reactions, and this is what, it, me and my best friend, Chris, we talk about this a lot, is, like, what is your baseline reaction to that statement or what is their baseline reaction to that statement? So I'll give you an example. We were talking about someone... Um, and I was saying, I think he really has a problem with dating in general. I think it's just like a sore area for him. And uh he basically said, Do you remember that girl in London, um, Sarah Everard, that was killed by the, yeah. the police got the police officer or whatever? Um, and he had been texting a girl on Tinder, my friend, and then she stopped they had made plans to meet up that weekend, then she had stopped texting him. And his baseline reaction was, I hope that fucking Sarah Everett thing hasn't been the reason that uh, she stopped talking to me. And I was like, what the fuck? And, and when I was talking to Chris about it, I was like, "What's wor- whether he checks himself or not after making that statement, that's his baseline reaction. And if someone has a baseline reaction like that, to me, that that isn't a good thing. So. I think that's something that's shifted in me over the years is my baseline reaction to things. Take the ego out of it. Like there is no jealousy. I am genuinely so happy when I see my friends blow up on TikTok, win a comedy competition, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's why comedy didn't come into my life earlier, because I wouldn't have had the right mentality about it that I do now. I think your baseline reaction tells you a lot about who you are or becoming as a person. And that baseline changes as you get older and and adjusts and that kind of thing. And I think, yeah, I just think that's a very important measure of how far you're coming as a person or something, if that makes sense. I'm not really sure if that makes sense, but I I hope I'm trying to... it does.
0: It's like a general calm uh, calmness and, like, peace that you have with yourself and constantly, like, challenging. Uh, As in, it's really strange because before... Whenever I still look at these people and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm at peace with myself and all mm. that, but then like I am my harshest critic. It's like, where the yeah. fuck is that balance? Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, no, but it is so right. Because yeah. it's like I am excited for my friends that blow up on TikTok, yet I am then hard on myself when I did something slightly wrong.
1: Yeah.
0: As in like even just right now, like with this podcast and yeah. shit happening all around. Yeah. Like I this is out of my control. Absolutely. You know? But so it's fine, it's fine yeah. exactly. But um next time round I know what's going to fu- yeah. what I'm going to change. Exactly. That's like the exactly. really fun thing about like being a creative, I think. A hundred
1: percent. It's you reflect. Yeah. You learn and you move forward. That's that's what I always try and do, is reflect, we learn and we move forward, and we do it better next time, and we do it better next time. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, we say being harsh on ourselves, but it doesn't always feel like that either, I think. And I'm sure maybe you feel the same, because, you know, when I say I'm harsh myself, 10 years ago, I'd have been harsh on myself to the point where I'd have to go to bed for the evening because I just couldn't, feel, you know, I'd be in such a bad headspace. Now, we reflect, we learn, and we move forward. and And that's it, it's just like, what could I have done better? You hear so many comics um, say, you know, and, and look, sometimes it's right. We get off stage and I like, got oh, the fucking crowd just didn't, you know, oh, they're very quiet today or they're very lacklustre. And yeah, that can absolutely, absolutely. I'm not saying that that's not a factor, but there's that old saying, a bad tradesman blames his tools. And, and that is the case. And so I'm not saying that there haven't been gigs that have gone well for me where the crowd, you know, or like they, that. They weren't quiet maybe they were quiet but if you're a good enough comedian you can you can change the course of of that gig if you have the guile the material and the ability to read the room you should always be able to adjust the course and and pull pull something out of the fire you know so um yeah, so, I, yeah, I always, my my baseline, again, my baseline reaction after a gig that didn't go as well as I wanted to is, okay, what could I have done differently? And generally, I'll have the answer within 12 hours, you know, once I have a sleep on it and that kind of thing. And then I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I know where I went wrong there. What
0: I'll, was the toughest thing that you had to like figure out? You said those three things. So reading the room, material,
1: and? And um, guile, ability three. Yeah, the guile, the guile to What's do that? it. like so, so what I mean by that is like, so when I started comedy, right, because I'm very, um, practice makes perfect. I'm very, you know, like, or I was very systematic about it, I suppose. And I, I would rehearse. Like, if I had a gig that day, I'd have, I'd go through the set five times in my head. Do you know what I mean? And it would have to be perfect. I could not stumble over a word. That's all different now, thankfully. But um, when you're on stage, in my opinion, you should be brave enough to go, um, so I say, like, some of my material is family-based, some of my material is, you know, queer queer the- themes and that kind of thing. And I'll go in and I'll have, like, a set list in my head, right? But if they're not liking the gay shit, right, and I was like, oh, they're not going to appreciate the gay shit, I should be able to to turn it. Now, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm like, fuck you guys. You're getting my queer shit anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's just a sassy little bitch in my head sometimes. But, uh, yeah, you should be able to go ah, uh, this isn't really resonating with them. Okay, cool, I'll bang out more of the football jokes or I'll bang out more of the mom and dad jokes or, you know, whatever. So I think you have to have the balls or the guile to do that. Um, reading the room is, I'm good at reading people. I always have been. Now, like, <laughs> I'm not not—I'm not trying to, like, blow smoke with my own arse here or anything, but, like, I can literally sense, and co- other comics are like this too, you can sense a shift in the room and sometimes you'll be, like, winning, 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 and he'll say something and it just kind of turns the room and you're like, oh shit, okay, I better, you know, readjust and win them back and, and that kind of thing. So that only comes with stage time that you learn that. And and uh, I wish I could put into words how it feels, but it literally, I don't know, maybe it's an empath thing. Do you ever know, like when your girlfriend comes in from work, you probably know if she's had a shit day or not straight oh, yeah, away. You yeah, you can yeah, sense yeah. it. Yeah, so it's I like I think that anyone who's 50. like
0: quite an observant person or just like, not even introverted, but... Mm. Empathetic. generally yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. you can kind of even just in a bar or a group setting 100%. like one person says something that's a little bit too far yeah snaps at someone you know that sort of thing and you're like
1: 100%. okay <laughs> yeah 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 100 and yeah. like i've even noticed in work um my boss uh she's amazing <laughs> and uh, she is always so calm and composed and something i really admire about her but I've noticed when we're on Teams calls, if someone says something that, like, pisses her off or someone's behavior isn't what it should be, I know exactly, I, I know she's annoyed because I know the way, by the way, she touches her hair or she moves forward or she'll, you know what I mean? So you, you, you when that kind of becomes your life then, um, yeah, you start picking up on things like that very quickly. So, so yeah, reading the room is, is a huge part of comedy. I'll give you, th- th- that gig I was saying that, um... I went on Wednesday. That I, I, it went grand. It just could have gone better. I think I know where I fucked up. I think I dropped my first punchline, and it was usually I say um, instead of finding a nice man to settle down with, I just became a lesbian. But I was feeling a little bit sassy, obviously on Wednesday. And I was like, and I just became a big fucking lesbian, and it was not a queer audience, and there and it was an international mixed crowd as well. Therefore probably not the room to do that. So I think that kind of made them a little bit like harden up a little bit or so. I don't really know, but I think that was where I went wrong. That was the first point I went wrong.
0: It is, I I think with queer jokes in general, like it is very niche.
1: Mm. You know Mm. what I
0: mean as well, where sometimes they feel (laughs) bad to laugh.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: That's something that I wrote down over there is like like the sensitivity to, which you understand with like certain, not even agendas, but like certain movements. You're like, am I
1: allowed to laugh at this? I have a perfect example of that. So I spent lockdown with my ex um, in her house and with her family and stuff like that. And uh, she's deaf, and so was her family, and uh, I mean, it was amazing to be around them. Uh, I learned an awful lot, and I have a lot of love for them. Um, you know, they're they're really great people. But, um, so I said to my ex at one point, I was like, "Listen, um, I have an idea for a few jokes. Would you be?" And she was always like a huge supporter and all that kind of stuff. And she was like, "Oh my god, yeah!" And I ran them by her a hundred times, like I around the set a hundred times by her and she was so cool with it and like, you know, kind of informed me in certain ways or whatever and then <clears throat> I get up on stage to do it for the first time and it's in a pa- sold out show in the Workman's, right in the main stage and I get up on stage and I'm ripping and like I, I do the first like minute or so and then I get to this part and um, I said, uh what was the punch? Or It was like, uh she is amazing she's beautiful she's funny um and she's also the best listener i've ever been with which really says something about my exes because uh, she's deaf and there was like i felt the tension in the room i felt it's like everybody's arseholes just tightened up a little bit you know what i mean and um now lisa and her friends were there and they were down the back and i was like okay guys i was like i'm just gonna be honest with you i was like she's down there and she's with her friends who are also deaf i've ran this set by her a million times and they have seen it too so It's like it's okay to laugh. And then like that the tension was gone and I fucking smashed the show. Like, you know what I mean? So it was like they needed the permission to laugh. Not even just from me, but from them being there. And crowd mentality. Crowd mentality is fascinating to me, like the psychology of it. But yeah, the tension just dissipated and I would not have
0: thought that would be the ending. I know. I know. Like like consent to laugh yeah.
1: nearly, but that's what people need. Like, can you imagine if you brought your parents to a stand-up gig that was like hardcore queer trans thing? You know, you to a degree. I know I don't know your parents or whatever. You know, but I'm making assumptions here. But there would be a part of them, if we multiplied your parents by 50 and filled a room with them, there'd be a part of them that'd be like, ah, um, I'm not really sure how to take this. Or, you know, I know my parents are amazing, they're great, but even still they would, I've seen them like tense up a little bit in certain with certain comics and stuff like that. So mm. people do Is need not Is that permission. a good thing though,
0: Sinead, or a bad thing?
1: I think, I think it's a, it's a generational thing. I think... No, I think it's a. I think it's maybe a good thing. If I take really? if if I stand back from the the comedy aspect of it, I kind of like that we're all being a little bit more critical about people's work and that kind of thing. I know you're looking at me funny, but no,
0: no, no. I'm I'm trying to take in everything you're saying, but like you are, you're making sense. <laughs>
1: thank you. Thank no, no, you. no, no.
0: I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I think like.
1: You know that there's this whole like um, Ricky Gervais shitstorm at the moment. Um, so he has a new, uh, his new special is out on Netflix. I actually went to see that gig in in the Three Arena, and he kicks it off with fucking trans jokes, and I'm like, yeah, like yeah. There's shut a lot up. of
0: comedians that are kind of like pushing that right now and being like, I like stop being so offended.
1: But like, bro, you're you're a cis, straight, white, uh, heterosexual male, like, your take on trans people is not relevant. Like, in my opinion, it's not relevant. Maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's a bit of a fucking elitist thing for me to say or something like that. But, like, give me a fresh take. Give me a good take that is informative or well thought out or whatever, and then we'll talk about it. But if you're just going to sit there and make jokes about, oh, women have cocks now, fuck off mate like you know what I mean you're one that you've won the biggest platforms in the in the world and you're choosing to punch down with that platform I don't think that's right so I'm glad that audiences in general people that aren't even trans or in the queer community are kind of going hang on this is dog shit like do you know what I mean like why is what so so I'm happy that we we as a species are being a little bit more thoughtful about what is and isn't art or, or funny or whatever. However, in saying that, if I'm if I'm coming at it from a comedian point of view, I think I think comedy plays a very important role in society. And I do want us to be able to push boundaries and challenge. I don't think we need to do that to some of the most marginalized communities in, in the world. I, I think again we have a thing in comedy is punch up, not down. And punching down is shitting on people basically and punching up is taking the piss out of the powers that be and that kind of thing so uh, or, you know or self-deprecating humor as well and that kind of thing so i think comedy should be used as an opportunity to punch up and i would avoid punching down at all costs personally you know so yeah so it's an interesting dynamic right now so sorry that's a very long answer to your short question no
0: no no it it, it makes complete sense i think you probably angered a few people. <laughs> I We can obviously pinpoint w- which group in society mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. might be, but uh, yeah, I I do get it. I agree with the punching up and not yeah. punching down. And also, I think it depends on the joke as well.
1: 100%. Because
0: if... Uh, I'm trying to remember like the Dave Chappelle thing and what happened. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't know the like exact stuff about it and whatnot, mm. but if I'm not mistaken, like from the back end, he was actually helping this uh, one trans woman and all that. I like to base people on how they treat people. Now, the one issue that I have with public figures that are making these kind of jokes, as nice as they might be, is that I believe that you are a nice person and you're helping someone out like from like behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, there is quite a lot of people that take example and think it's okay to make said jokes or approach said group Mm -hmm. in that same manner. Mm -hmm. And that's where the shit starts to like take off. Yeah. Because and and i don't know the solution to that because unfortunately you are not responsible for people's reactions and their actions right so yeah. i get it mm. but there does come a responsibility with freedom of speech and what you're saying yeah and that sensitivity if that means i think i'm going to take an example of what of your experience with like the deaf jokes mm. is explaining in that moment in time of being like i like, ran this joke. Like, yeah. they're over there at the back. You yeah. have their consent to laugh. They relaxed, fine you know, maybe that transparency of being like, look, it's a dickish joke, but, like, it's just for the crap. And
1: also, you know, just to to say as well, sorry about that set, uh, I incorporated a lot of sign language into that set, and that was my way of kind of, so it was talking about inter-able relationships Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, and like, the fuck-ups I make with interpreting sign language, because she signs so fast, and I, you know, so so sorry, yeah, just to be clear, I wasn't shitting on the deaf community. No, 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 oh yeah, yeah. but,
0: uh, like, who does this really where, well Andrew Schultz I think
1: okay Sh- Schultz, Schultz. Yeah, yeah 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 I love Andrew with Schultz with the crowd yeah, yeah. work and
0: all that yeah. where uh, there's this massive viral clip of him with um, what, what are they called again oh damn it S- Sick
1: Sick yes, yes 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 yes
0: he that was part of his crowd work. There was one man like that. Cool. But then he just started spitting facts about the community and yeah. he's like, Oh, that's why they're so good and all that. So you are show you are making jokes, yeah, but you're also like, Look, I know what you go to. Like yeah. I am educated on this. Yes, yes. And that is where a lot of comedians unfortunately lack. The jokes might be funny. Yeah. They could be hilarious. Yeah. Where is your education? Yeah. You know? 100%. And I think with, with Dave Chappelle, I watched this and I was... I, I am not trans, so I can't relate. Mm-hmm. It didn't affect me personally yeah. as, like, a queer person because I knew... Like, he was talking about how much he helped the person yeah. like behind the scenes and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, okay. Like, you, you're giving as much of context as you could.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I don't watch Ricky Gervais's. Yes. No, it's
1: like. like... And I mean... <sighs> Like,
0: uh, I enjoy. Uh, I think a lot of pe- men his age are just getting really pissed off right now. You know, it's because
1: I think they they don't understand, and that and that is it. And and the thing is about Ricky Gervais. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I love The Office. I love Afterlife. I have loved a lot of Ricky's work. He's a very good. 100%, fan. Oh, yeah. I would. I would never. That's why I happily skipped to the three arenas to see him. Yeah, when yeah. You my paid for it. T- yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. When my friend got tickets, I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. And but then what I'm what I'm trying to say about, about I suppose Ricky's um what's it called supernature um if you were going to do it, I think you touched on this a while ago, it better be fucking funny and it better be well informed and that kind of thing because it is as tired it, it's he made such tired jokes to the point where it's kind of like, you know, the way they say uh you know, uh like they might make joke about oh Black guy might be hung like a horse or whatever. Like that's such a that's a, and now that's considered like that that is considered a racist thing to to hold on to. But it's also a very tired take. It's bullshit. That is exactly what he did with those jokes. So I'm like, if you are going to bring something to the table, like Ricky Gervais is a fucking good comedian like he's, he's a great writer too like, like he's he incredible better so you could have done so much better with that like Material i'm disappointed wise. <laughs> mm. i really hoped you had a fresh take on this or yeah. something but actually you're just being a transphobic asshole right now to be I honest see. with you you know Interesting. so yeah so um i i just think if you're gonna bring so, like he, the world is his oyster he can talk about anything he wants why did we have to pick that that why why I, I don't understand also I think you touched on this as well I'm not trans you're not trans so if my friends who are trans are hurt by something that someone has said I actually don't really care whether whether oh, well I didn't think it was that transphobic because I don't care because it's hurting people and and I, I'm kind of not I, as much as I will defend comedy and defend a comedian's right to make jokes about things that are a little bit sweaty. Yeah, look,
0: sometimes you think it's a good one and then it's actually it's not. not as well. So like you have to
1: You kind yeah. of... <laughs> you don't get to wade in and make people feel like shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that shouldn't be your role here. Mm. I don't think so. But maybe maybe I'm being too purist or maybe I'm contradicting myself. I'm not really sure, but that's... that's I'm I'm, I'm really trying to figure out yeah. this at the moment, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's
0: like quite an internal battle with me right now as mm. well where I kind of am struggling to figure out where the balance is because... I do think that there's quite a few thing I don't want to use the term snowflake, but there mm. is quite a high level of people being offended for
1: the sake of being offended.
0: For the sake of being offended Absolutely. and everything. Where is that line drawn? Yeah. I don't know. And that's like what I'm trying to figure out. And yeah. I can only imagine what you have to go through as well mm. as a comedian of listen, I want to touch on this. It's yeah. quite funny, haha, you know? Yeah and yeah, yeah. I think it's light hearted the only unfortunate no not unfortunately the people that can do it right are the comedians 100 percent.
1: and like context is everything yeah and and a very important part of the context is who is on stage telling the joke right now Mm. like is it someone who is part of the queer community or is it like that's a very important context to take into or like like African-American comedians talking about the black experience in America. Like it yeah. wouldn't be sensible for me to get up there and talk about but that. But like That's you laugh at when
0: Kevin Hart is talking about it. 100%, 100%. Because,
1: because he's the one making the joke, because, you know, I, I don't know. Like he's
0: giving you consent to laugh at it because of that. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Because I came across a video, a TikTok video of, weirdly enough, a deaf comedian making jokes about being deaf. Yeah. Or like cerebral palsy as well. Yeah. Uh, I get it.
1: Yeah. I think context and who is telling the joke is a very important one. So for the likes of me and you, where we're trying to draw a line in the sand and go, okay, what what is allowable? What is not allowable? It's actually very difficult to draw that line, I think, because it, depending on who is telling the joke, that line changes. I'll give you another example. A friend of mine, his son was recently diagnosed um, with autism. His son's only like four and... He got up on stage and he's writing a show now about his, rela- he has a beautiful relationship with his son. Like they they just worship each other and they are best buds. And I stay with my friend a lot and I just love their relationship. So he's writing um, a show at the moment about his relationship with his son and all the funny things that are happening now as, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And so he got up and he, he, I wasn't at the gig, but he was telling me about it after. And this woman approached him. He'd done like, say, 10 minutes of the material or whatever. This woman approached him after and was like, I don't think it's appropriate that you're making jokes about your autistic son and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, hang on a second. He was like, if I was up here making jokes about autistic people, full stop. He was like, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Then, you know, call me out on it but I'm not. I'm talking about my relationship with my son who was autistic and the shade of color that that puts on our relationship and all this kind of thing and whatever. And I think that's a very important debate to have because I, I understand that that woman was coming from a good place where she's like, you can't joke about, you know, neurodivergent people. You can't joke about it at all. When it's like, oh, hang on. This is his lived experience. This is his truth right now so yeah he is allowed so you know me saying you're not allowed to make jokes about trans people No, nah, I'm not saying that I'm saying <laughs> it's like if the person up there if that is their lived experience of course they're allowed to talk about it I don't, I don't believe people outside of a community shitting on people in a community particularly a marginalised community I just don't think it's it's not, yeah it's not something I think is a good thing
0: yeah. I, I think uh, probably the takeaway from that would be obviously context as you said Mm. but also probably there's a little bit of responsibility with the person saying that joke or putting that content out uh, out there Mm. in giving a little bit of yourself putting yourself into the mix that vulnerability because i see a lot of people going uh, or like comments you're not allowed to say this you're not neurodivergent for example then they come up being like listen no i am yeah don't talk out of your ass blah 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 and then the argument starts yeah. versus if you started off that piece of content saying i am this yeah here's the punchline yeah you kind of stop those people in their tracks they will will they comment probably yeah like yeah. if if they are determined to be like that they will be like that but yeah. then you give them no grounds to stand on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the competitive side of me as well. Yeah, that's uh, it though, right? uh, That's it. I I am quite like a look at all the options possible and see how the fuck I'm going to chop each and every one of them.
1: hundred percent with you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred
0: percent. So obviously your content, your like uh, jokes or whatever, Mm. like your material is about like you being queer and all that. (laughs) Now, I did watch a few of your uh, gigs. Oh, thank yeah, you. I did. Thank you, YouTube. I'm better
1: than what you would have seen, I promise. I'm better now. will see
0: about that. <laughs> Go. <laughs> 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 so why did the chicken cross the Yeah, exactly. Knock, knock. <laughs> so you spoke about, so you have a brother and a sister, right? Yeah. And... Uh, you said that your parents were were quite like centered on your brother for a bit. And then that uh, what do you call, which I think is just like a family of the 90s 100%. and that's a certain. Yeah, yeah. Especially if one of the daughters does turn out to be gay, they're just like, "Oh." <laughs> to the side. What was your process like? So let's go back to you being like 15, for example. Mm, yeah. You're probably a little bit jealous of your brother getting all of this attention.
1: So so I'm going to be honest with you, right? My <laughs> family are my core. I love them so much. My everything. Like... Um, a lot of that is very, very exaggerated, right? Because I'm the oldest, right? Oh, so, same. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So, right. Okay. So I've had a, a couple of conversations with people recently who are also the oldest and there's very similar dynamics in I every family, would I think.
0: Switch pl- I would not want to be the eldest. Really? I wouldn't want to be the eldest. Okay. I think if I were to come back, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Yeah. If I were to have things done all over again there would be a lot of things that I wouldn't want in my life.
1: I I completely get that. Let me ask you this question. In relationships, are you the minder or are you the mindy, Do you know? What I mean? mm-hmm. Um so I suppose like how, yeah, what are you like in relationships? Like are you the person who's always taking care of their partner or are you more standoffish? Like I, I. Uh, I think like, I'm
0: the probably like if I were to get like a collective response, it would be the mature one. Okay,
1: so let's send out that survey. Yeah, <laughs> we'll
0: send out that survey. Yeah. It's kind of like the very hard to argue with, hard to argue with because I'm very like. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you seem very like a very steady person. Like uh, your energy is quite.
0: I wasn't allowed to spiral. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> talk about fucking
1: being the others, There you go. Honestly. I wasn't allowed to have tantrums, so that means that I can't have tantrums. Ah. <laughs> uh, I yeah, 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 I get that. So so like my parents were definitely uh, uh, more strict on me in in ways than they were on so then there's Neve who's 3 years younger than me and then there's Sean who is 7 years younger than me hilariously and I love that you've picked up on this you know in terms of yeah I do I exaggerate that dynamic right uh, 100% um, I am not saying so So, the reality of the situation is Sean is the baby and like every baby in the family they fall at his feet there is no genuinely no resentment there for me because I'm exactly the same like me and my sister would be like you know like my mom be like he's unbelievable, he didn't empty the dishwasher again. And we're like... He's awful. He's awful. Oh my God, he's the worst. And then he comes in and we're like, hey, do you want Anton? What do you want? I've gone to the chipper. Do you want something? You know what I mean? So like me and Neve are as bad for oh. spoiling them rotten. Well, it's not spoiling them rotten, but you know, like catering to his every whim or like he'll text Neve, Neve drives and uh, I don't hear you text Neve and he's like, only chance of a lift. And she's like, from where? And he's like, Town. The
0: audacity of the younger siblings. I'll be honest with it's you. It's unbelievable. Now I have a friend that said that she would not want to be the youngest. Yeah, because she felt like whatever she did hurt her parents the most because it is the baby of the family. And I think, like, I do empathize with that. Like, you are, like, stuck with the guilt of, like, I left, I was, like enjoy you yeah, know what i mean peace peace yeah, yeah yeah i did and now it's your turn yeah does that make sense totally i so i moved yeah. out of
1: home when i was 18 i was super young like for adult for someone from dublin right um oh my mom was like in bits over it like sean went to vancouver for a summer a couple of years ago and now he's he's actually I think it was next week, uh, going to New York for the summer with his girlfriend this, this year. And I know my mom's a bit caught up about it again. Like, do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I think like he, as much as he will drive them mad in so many ways, They, they uh, he had uh, Sean had COVID over uh, Christmas. And when I say we sat there on Christmas Day and Debbie, I know this is so dramatic. We were gutted he wasn't there. Like he was just upstairs <laughs> in his room. But like, it was like no. he... Yeah. pass away or so you know something yeah. really dramatic like that I don't know I but there, there's a lot of love in my family and I'm yeah. so you know I'm so grateful for it That's and lovely. yeah it is it's nice and it's also you know being the oldest has let me I definitely think I'm more independent in a lot of ways than the other two um and I'm grateful for that um I've had to learn how to balance it a little bit um it's it's come up in in I really struggle asking for help. Or I did anyway. I used to struggle like for asking for help a lot. Like I'd be the stubborn arsehole if I was trying to move that TV and the unit, I'd be like, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it. And you know, you'd be like, Oh, let me give you a hand. And I'd be like, No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Just you go do whatever. So so there was always that element of my personality which I'm actively trying to work against now and, and that kind of thing. So that's better. But um yeah, so there was no real resentment in my house, I guess, growing up, but it's very funny because my brother and sister are beautiful. They're so uh, like the two of them could be models, and so I always say, so they got the good looks, and I got five hundred points in and the leaving and sir. So, you know what I mean? Like that's the difference.
0: <laughs> You're lovely. Say, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're lovely too. Yeah, something I'm working on is our words of affirmation. By the way, like I because love
1: that. I don't, I, I don't your...
0: compliment people. Enough.
1: Okay, okay. And have you have you got a daily affirmation for yourself, or have you? Mm. Are you no. trying to be kinder to yourself? Okay, let's work on that. No,
0: oh, like, uh, one step at a time. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: of course, of course. <laughs> I'm only
0: 25. Yeah, exactly.
1: You've got your whole life ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I completely agree. I have friends who journal a lot. I don't necessarily journal. That was gross. Sorry, everyone. I um, <laughs> just burped the mic, but whatever. Um, Yeah, so I um, I don't necessarily journal my feelings an awful lot. But what I will like do is you're a is comedian as I, well. Like, yeah, we'll see, that's the thing, right? When I am journaling, I'm working, I'm writing, I'm building towards something. I'm so I try and save my energy for that. You know what I mean? Like my my mental ener- trauma
0: I yeah. dump it onto other people. Exactly, exactly.
1: What I do instead is I, I make a point of going for walks an awful lot, and or I'll do things in silence, and that's kind of where I will have that time to myself, or it could be late at night after a gig and I haven't eaten since lunch so I'll just make myself something quick before I go to bed and it's in those moments those quiet moments that I'm like I I will say things to myself like I am so grateful that I get to go and do this every day and I'm so grateful that comedy helps me be better at work and work helps me be better at comedy and I'm so glad that I can balance that I'm so grateful for the people in my life I'm so grateful to be here right now you know what I mean like I've been so stoked for this since you messaged me and I'm like how cool is it that's someone that I think is so cool that now because just because of what we both do, now we get to sit here and have a conversation like I know, thank you, universe. I'm so yeah. grateful for today, you yeah, know?
0: for sure, and uh, that's uh, that's just like the benefit and like the reward you get for putting yourself out there, yeah, you know that's true, like the opportunities that are coming my way are not like the general like you get a sponsor, that whole yeah. thing. Like a lot of people ask me, like, well done on the podcast, cool. What about, like, are you making anything off of it? I'm like, I can't be arsed. No. Like, I have not approached one person you know what i mean yeah. like no this is my art this is me if it gets big amazing yeah. if it doesn't look at all these conversations this is yeah. my diary you yeah. know what i mean exactly
1: exactly like, you've got a record of it like this yeah. is absolutely my 10 minutes my my half hour my 40 minute show that is that's like, me
0: putting myself out 100%, there,
1: you know, 100%. And I actually, I didn't mention this to you earlier because I wanted to kind of say, but like the first time I, I saw you on TikTok, I can't even remember what video it was, but I remember I wasn't feeling great that day. And I was just, as we do, lying in bed, scrolling through TikTok. I actually really limit my time on TikTok. I try and keep it like once or twice a week because... Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, like I'm pretty strict on myself. So yeah, because I just lose hours to it. But I remember I was lying in bed, I was scrolling... I came to one of your videos. I'd never heard of you before. I'd never seen you before. And I can't remember what it was, but I remember the quote that the person was saying and I kind of got halfway through it. And because like big fucking, you know, with an AD, yeah, 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 whatever. So I was just like, oh, whatever. And scroll past. And then I went, no, actually, I want to watch the rest of that. And I went back and then I followed you after that and then whatever. And with your content, your material, it's like it always lands itself on my on my feed. Right when I need it. Really? and Yeah. And that's why, like, I, I'm so, yeah, like, I don't think you know that, obviously you didn't know that that had happened, but I'm sure you're doing that for more than just me. And I think, like, I'm grateful that you've started a podcast. Oh, um, I know this is only our first time meeting, but the, I'm so grateful you started a podcast because in you. that moment, that made a difference to, to oh. my day or my week, you know, so.
0: Oh, thank you. No, thank I, you. I really appreciate it. Like, uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out because... This is not a mental health podcast. Yeah. But obviously it's the mental health stuff that is helping people. Yeah. And I think like what's important to me is normalizing it in a more normal way because Mm. there is quite an effort on normalizing it, but it's still very extreme. Does that make sense? Yeah. So... I think it's just, like, casually just bringing it up there.
1: You yeah. Know, just like. I think what I love about your podcast is you have such a diverse mix of um, people. Mm. So so one day it's a high-performance coach. Yeah. And the next day it's like the a, guy who's uh, working with Gary Vee. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, like
0: it's D-Rock, you yeah. know. And then there's Mary Holgrain like, Overcoming Addiction. Oh, my yeah. God, that podcast. That was a powerful
1: episode. That was a powerful episode. Oh, like a powerful episode. There, there
0: are quite a few episodes that, like, I'm holding back tears every time to oh, the point where that? you're just, like, you... You're alive, yeah. You know, like yeah. you're alive. You're right in front of me. How the fuck? Like, whoa!
1: It's crazy. It's crazy. That,
0: that's also another aspect on how my mindset has changed. Yeah, I can't complain. Like yeah. with these people, I got Andy Quinn on twenty eighth with a stroke. Wow. As in, I can't. I I cannot. I will be foolish. You know.
1: Can I say right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but, <laughs> but please exactly. do not devalue or take weight away from the shit yeah. that you go through because I would have been like you in that sense for for a long time where I'm like, I ain't got shit to complain about. But then actually what was happening was I was internalizing and bottling up and blah, blah blah blah. And I was almost proud of the fact that I hadn't cried in like a year and a half or you know, like in just stupid, stupid shit like that that yeah. all of a sudden came that plus trauma plus childhood issues and all that kind of shit just came to a fucking horrible head and I didn't want to be here anymore and I don't think I think it's important to recognize that yeah what I'm going through isn't the worst thing in the world but context context is important that's what it always goes back to yeah you know what I mean totally 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 totally
0: that and just like letting I think that's another Mary taught me that without probably her knowing it's just accepting it like with her not even upbringing but just like her circumstances and all that i was like how do you how are you not resentful yeah she's like well, what what the fuck is that gonna do for me you know what i mean 100%. and that's and that's like what we're gonna get into with like being queer and all that yeah i was so fucking angry yes
1: oh my god yes yeah
0: i was so like if we we're gonna talk about that's what i was going to say where we're circling back till this day sometimes if i were to come back in a new life i would not want to, i i don't want to be queer like, i i'm not saying i don't want to yeah but i wouldn't wish this on no, people
1: i couldn't agree now only in the last 6 years has that changed for me but literally up until like my mid 20s i was always like if i had a choice i would not be queer now it's different for me now i'm so um I'm on a bit of a journey myself at the moment. Okay, so we're getting into it here. My sexuality was um because I was quite young when I realised what was Hall going William. on. I think I don't mean to be cliche, I think I always knew something was different, but oh, yeah. <laughs> when I started consciously recognizing that something was going on, I was only like thirteen or fourteen. Mm-hmm. And thank God, like we're a computer household because I had access to Google and I could Google or I came across things on the internet and stuff like that. And I think I'd have lost my fucking mind if I didn't have that. Like, I, I don't know what I would have done because I wouldn't have been able. I need to, when I am nervous about something, pandemic or war in Ukraine is a perfect example, I read everything I possibly can about it. I need to know as much as I possibly can. And then I'll, re- I'll rationalize how afraid I can be. I was kind of like that when I was a teenager. There was a girl in school that I was just, oh my God, I was so obsessed with. So obsessed with. And yeah, so I could start realizing, but like, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to accept that part, to even understand what was going on. Because the word lesbian to me was just an insult that like the girls in school threw at each other every time.
0: I was throwing it, yeah. I, was, uh, I wasn't I was throwing it to others. Yeah. But I would say like, if I'm wearing like a tracksuit, like an ugly tracksuit from like my sports thing. Yeah. I'd be grumpy. Yeah. Cause...
1: I look like a fucking lesbian. I look like yeah, a fucking lesbian. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And that was probably one of the hardest things Yeah, that... Uh, uh, and the reason why I disconnected with so many friends of mine that I'm so proud, like, have stuck around and, like, came back, I couldn't look them dead in the eye because I was so embarrassed of the shit I was saying to myself. Yeah. And I didn't even know it at the time. We're going to talk about, like, representation and all that. I thought that we had no exposure. I thought that lesbians just had short hair and looked like dudes and the relationships they were in would have been like straight gir- girls that like Man, woman. accepted yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know yeah it was only like rose and rosie on like youtube where yeah. i was like oh my god two girls with long hair right long hair yeah. and that's where it was the long hair that changed yeah. for me i don't like it's so
1: strange yeah and then
0: i was like oh shit oh yeah. shit and that's like the whole journey that i was on
1: 100 and like that's amazing that's it's, it's funny you said about that the long hair thing being a thing so i had a cousin of mine who passed away um in 2013 and he was one of my best friends in the world and um after that I went into a weird thing so I was like I I didn't recognize it at the time but like depression and anxiety were play- were really coming into my life at that point and I went through about a two week period where honestly I could barely get out of bed because I was so afraid of everyone around me dying I was like I was uh-huh. constantly thinking of things like what am I going to do when my mom dies what am I going to do when my dad dies what about when my best friend dies what You're about paralyzed I, I couldn't, there was days I couldn't breathe, I could not get out of the bed and then I, I eventually, I don't know why I didn't fucking think of this sooner but I googled what I was feeling and I found this forum of people that, um. so what's it called, health anxiety I think is what it's called Um, and there's just this like forum of people being like why do I feel like this and other people going this is a really natural part of grief it will pass, everyone feels like this, blah, blah, blah. And it was that moment for me where I was like, oh, other people feel like this and I'm not crazy. That changed everything for me and that helped me get back onto a road of normality. Now it took a while, but, you know, yeah. but like that, it was that light bulb moment for me, as, uh-huh. as I'm sure you felt on YouTube as well, where you're like, oh, two girls with long hair can also be Gay, queer you and know, that's okay. I was like, oh, yeah.
0: okay, so maybe it is that. Yeah, It's so the human experience is so strange because we feel everything exclusively like ourselves. and yeah. It's as if we kind of forget in those moments to look outwards of yeah. us. You yeah. know? Totally. But then it's really strange because when it comes to self-belief, we're very lacking. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, we're looking outwards for entertainment. We're looking outwards for validation. Yeah. But then when it comes to really important stuff of is what I'm feeling okay, then fuck no, we're not yeah. gonna like look at that. No, it's so
1: strange. It is, it's so strange. It really is. And like, I um, did, didn't think I'd be talking about this in the podcast, but like I said, I am on a journey myself at the moment in terms of like gender and gender identity and expression, and that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I suppose the whole non-binary thing has been kind of rolling around in my head for a while. And I went through a journey during a lockdown where I was like, am I trans? And then I was like, no, I'm not trans because, well, like as in, in in terms of like, you know, female to male, I was like, you know, I think everyone questioned everything during the the pandemic to be fair. So yeah, I went in that. And then I was like, oh, the non-binary, like am I, am I non-binary? Is that what I am? But like where I'm at with that at the moment is like, I love being a woman. I feel like a woman, but I feel like society's definition of what femininity is, does not apply to me so when I walk into a bathroom and someone says "Eh, excuse me this is the ladies and I'm like like, yeah I know like yeah honestly and that has been my reaction where I grab my boobs and shake them um sometimes but I'm, I'm not proud of it but it is but um yeah and then I was I was talking to my best mate James about this and I said to him um it's kind of like where I'm at at the moment Like I love going between the female and the male. And I think I do have a a nice balance of both, but it's almost like I don't want to give society the win by coming out and saying I'm non-binary, but I don't know if, I don't know. So that's what I mean. I'm on a journey right now and I don't really know where I'm at with that. But That's something
0: really important. Like you articulated that perfectly in a way (laughs) that I wouldn't have thought of, but I've been Mm -hmm. constantly thinking of where um, this is not a hot take. But I do think that there's a lot of queer women right now that are questioning their gender more than mm. men or gay men, mm-hmm. and I think it just comes down. <laughs> but lesbians are kind of dying out, <laughs> and more non-binary people are coming through. And I, uh, if that's if that's you, amazing. Then yeah. that's you. You know. Yeah. But then there's also the process where like you could just be, like, a woman that uh, likes to identify. Uh, insert, like, you have certain features, and that's what I find. Again, the human experience. Yeah. Like, you were assigned this at birth, you were assigned that. Yeah. Of course, being trans is a completely different narrative. Yeah. But it's okay to be a woman wearing a suit. It's fucking yeah. cool! Absolutely. And that's the interesting thing, where it comes to not even, like, representation and all that. But uh, obviously, everyone is fussing over Harry Styles when he wore that dress, yeah. right? And I think there's a lot, there's something to take away from it that not that many people did, in my opinion, anyways, which is, he's wearing a dress, but he did not come out. No, And that's where people are like, they forgot to let go of that point where yeah. it's like, you could be wearing a dress, and you don't need to not even to question you don't need to come out yeah you're just wearing this <laughs> and i feel like a lot of women because we are meant to fucking self-doubt and we are questioned uh. questioned in every move we make that unfortunately then when it comes down to do i wear a tux for my wedding or a wedding dress am i non-binary or not yeah fuck me
1: yeah i i I that's agree where with it everything comes from. you said. Yeah. That's
0: if you're non binary, then fine. But I don't want women to just be questioning themselves over no. fucking everything. And that's
1: the thing. And especially when we were younger, right? Yeah. Like Butch, a Butch lesbian was like the worst kind of thing you could be. Oh, yeah. Which is fucking so stupid because I love everything about Butch women. I love everything about mask presenting non binary people. I fucking adore. I adore their short hair and their gentle souls and their lovely warm hands. And like, and and it's just, again, it's society telling us that because these women or because these people don't fit the classic femininity thing, that they are wrong and they are, that's not what you should be aiming for. You know what I mean? Actually, do you know what? Like, and I, I bought into that. I subscribed to that school of thought for, like, if someone said, oh, are you butch? I'd nearly be offended when I was in my early twenties, and then someone described me as a soft butch once. I was like, "Yeah, okay, maybe that's it." But it like, soft, a soft butch. Yeah. But like, irregardless, I I love who I am, and I love my community, and I love I, I love all of that. I don't want other people to define how I identify my gender. Mm. So again, I am on a journey because. Uh, yeah i, I am oh, I'm, because I'm, I'm, you were on it though. yeah like but i'm in the gray and that's okay yeah, and I'm, I'm happy here exactly. actually you know but since i have given myself over the last couple of years more permission to be okay with the fact that i am more mask presenting since i have done that i have out of nowhere nearly all of a sudden become a little bit more comfortable with the feminine as mm. well so i lean into both now Interesting. and uh yeah, yeah 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 so it's it's um it's fun i mean i'm enjoying it a little bit which is a weird way to explain I'm enjoying my gender a bit more you know but I'm enjoying fucking around with it a bit more you know and that kind of thing so.
0: Do you now this is something like I I don't have a take on but probably it it could be just one of those things where someone's listening to this and going oh I didn't know Debbie's gay Yeah, because I don't talk about it Yeah, and the reason why I don't talk about it is because I don't think I am the person to talk about it.
1: 100%
0: and because I have so many issues with it but it's also just because i want to be more than that yeah does that make sense yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. i think that probably it definitely goes back to the struggle with coming out for some people mm-hmm. that then they end up owning it to a point that it's all about that i will not watch this because it's too straight
1: yeah 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 and like look, look i i almost get i find people who have come out later in life are more steadfast or more like Resolute in that kind of uh, mentality, but I I get it. Um, I actually. Um, well, you like that for a bit? Yeah, yeah, like, I, well, no. See, I came out when I was like a teenager, right? I was pretty, I was pretty young, so. You know, and again, it was a very different time. It was 16 years ago and Ireland was a very different place. So I was very determined that being gay was not going to be the defining thing about me. Um, but I have met people who, uh, it was described to me recently as going through a second puberty, like in your 20s, where it's like all of a sudden you've you been in a dark room and you've been flailing so much and then all of a sudden all these lights come on and everything makes sense and blah, blah, blah. And when the person put that to me, I was like, that is so interesting. And then they were like, so that's why, you know, I'm almost, I again, militant is the wrong word here, but you know, like they're so steadfast, resolute, really in the queer community, really ingrained in it, really, like it is so part of their life and actually i think that's kind of beautiful because it took me so long and i know you'll relate to this it took me so long to be okay with that part of myself that watching other people celebrate it brings me nothing but joy in my heart for them and for our community in general because i'm like yeah fucking welcome to the team we have t-shirts you know um Ah, yeah yeah. so I, i do think it's it's kind of beautiful but equally i would be with you where for a long time i was like this can't be my defining characteristic like it's what it's what maybe. were
0: you so what were you scared about maybe in that moment
1: um i was just a scared scared little girl i was in an all girls school a catholic all girls school um where like i said the word lesbian was thrown around as an insult which you know i was the same i was the same as you whereas oh you fucking tiger you know whatever and it was never meant in the way of oh you clearly like other women but like you no, said if- it
0: was never meant for that no that, Even- that was actually the last thing it
1: meant to oh yeah yeah like you. when you said
0: like that's gay it wasn't a uh, that likes boys it's yeah. probably just like that's twinkie yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly right. yeah yeah yeah. Like, yeah. that's very exactly. girly
1: Before fruity or whatever yeah yeah, 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 totally. yeah um Carry on. and i was scared so i was scared about what my friends would react like I really didn't know what my parents were going to react like now. I know my parents as people now and I know if, you know, I hadn't known back back then what it was and, or you know, or how they would have reacted then it would have been fine. But yeah, rejection. I was scared of rejection. I was scared of like letting people down. I was scared of, like I was pretty, like I wasn't the high performance girl, but I was pretty high performing. Like, and I always fear even to this day I will always fear failure and I will fear letting people down I can't deal with letting people down well as in I'm, I've a healthier relationship with it now but at the to- yeah and I was like all these thoughts and ideas that my parents would have had for me I'm sure you know like whatever um about being married and, and making them grandparents and all that kind of stuff I felt like I would have been taking all that away from them you know and I just that yeah I don't know I I was just scared full stop and I was so mad about your one that I was in school as well and I was angry that she wasn't gay you know what I mean like or or whatever even though there was times where this we won't say much but you know there was like little moments or whatever but yeah um, that when I look back on now I'm like oh, I hope she had a word with herself at one point or another yeah, yeah so so like there was a, just a lot going on and I, I just didn't understand it I didn't I had no frame or reference and then my friend uh Sarah uh, it was I think might have been the first person I said the words yeah I'm gay too she came out to me and I came out to her and we were just kicking typically a football back and forth to each other and um, I'm very lesbian yeah oh the, the, like, we played in a football team together and the rest of the team were boys so like we couldn't have been more stereotypical but um, she's still one of my best friends to this day and but yeah I'm so grateful for her that she was in my life then because then she gave me the L word box sets and was like okay buddy go oh, watch that and I was shit. like okay thanks <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, sweet. so yeah so it, it that was the journey that was how the journey started and telling my parents telling my mom was a big thing and I start going out with a girl in my year and, and all Cold, that kind of were stuff you so at that time I then? was when I got my first girlfriend, I was fifteen. So this, okay. you we're have young. Started.
0: Yeah, and you that's what young. I mean.
1: And that was two, three years of torturing myself wow. before I, I ever.
0: How did your parents take it? <laughs> um,
1: I have a whole bit about it. Do uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a whole bit about it. But um, great VIP I mean,
0: experience. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Front row tickets. Um, Let's go. Yeah, I told my mom, and uh, I told my mom I was by, um, because we've by now gay later, right? But uh, <laughs> but they, uh, uh, she. She was like, essentially like, well, I knew you weren't going to tell me you were pregnant anyway, you know, but like, I think everyone just assumed I was a tomboy. Like my mom was a bit of a tomboy when she was a kid as well. Right. Like, and, and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I was kind of sporty and uh, you know, I was hanging out with guys and all that kind of stuff. So I think she just thought it was, it was that or a phase or whatever. And she was great to me. I know she was, she's told me since that she was quite upset at times and she rang like her two sisters, my aunties, one of whom lives in San Francisco, the other who lives in London. So they were like, the exposure. Great. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. were like, oh, we are delighted. They're like my big sisters as well, yeah. to be fair. So they were fucking buzzing. And then.
0: It really helps so, when parents actually look for yeah. Um, assistance. Yeah. In other places. Usually. I think that's a lot of like problems that maybe a, a good few parents might have is they keep it to themselves. Yeah, yeah. When in reality, what they needed to do is reach out 100%. to friends
1: yeah i'm i'm blessed with my parents i like i i can't say it enough i can't sing their praise enough um i have heard horror stories i used to facilitate coming out workshops as well for usi when i was in college so i used to like travel around to do that and some of the horror stories i've heard like is like i like what you said earlier about sitting here and like holding back tears that was one hundred percent the case, with um with some of those workshops too. Um, they
0: they, they could be hurtful. <sighs> like that's the scary thing, eh? When it comes to this sort of stuff, is you brought this life? Like you chose to bring. Most of the time, you chose to bring life into this world, and how the fuck dare you?
1: No, that never.
0: like that's the scary thing yeah. about it say. Eh? Yeah, and words stick. Oh, words, yeah, stick they do. Words matter. Day.
1: Words matter because, like, I so the, the other side of that. Was I said I said it to my mom, and that was grand, and everything was cool on the front end, which was fine. She dealt with her own shit, Now, I appreciate that she did that and she spared me that. Um, I said to her, Don't tell dad, I was like, I will tell dad, but I just wanted to tell you first, and I, I just need to build up again, right? Because I and I have a gorgeous relationship with my dad, he's my fucking hero, but he's also a guy, so that was on my mind as well, right? And I just didn't know how, like. Yeah, I, I just didn't know how it was going to go. So anyway, fast forward a couple of days later and my dad has like um a porta cabin out the back garden and that's his office, right? And what I used to do is I'd go out there most evenings and we'd listen to uh, Matt Cooper on Today FM, the last word. So I went out and I'd sit, my mom had a... Uh, desk and a computer out there as well Um, she used to work on the side for my uncle so I was sitting there and I was like noodling through like Bebo or whatever the shit it was and we had our backs to each other the way we sat and Matt Cooper comes on and I swear to god Debbie like I don't believe in god I believe in the universe but like this was the universe or God or someone doing something to fuck with me, right? And I sat down and it was like, today on Matt Cooper, we're going to be talking about um the, we're going to be talking to the parents of gay children who blah, blah, blah. And when I say like, I sank, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And usually me and my dad would like banter back and forth or we'd talk, you know, they'd go to a break on the radio You'd program and it. we'd talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd have to crack, like he's the funniest man alive, I swear to God. So, um, and it was just like this, like, silence for about like 15 minutes before they went to the first break and then they cut to the break and I went back into the house I didn't even say anything to dad and I walked into the living room and Sean was sitting on the couch I was like where's mom?" and he was like oh, I think she's up in the toilet I think and I marched up the stairs and the door was closed obviously and I like knocked on the door and she was like what I was like did you tell dad and she was like well I I had to and I was like for fuck's sake and I walked back down the stairs and I went back out to the port cabin anyway. I sat down and I was just scrolling again. There was silence and I go, so a man told you. And he was like, about what? And I was like, about the, you know, like like I'm bi or whatever. And he was like, yeah, 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 that's just grand. He goes, that's another thing we have in common anyway. And I was like, what? That we're bi? And he goes, no, that we like women. And I was like,
0: that's so good. Yeah, he's the I'm best. so like I'm so happy to hear
1: that. Ah uh, yeah you know? like I I know I know not everyone's experience is like that, but yeah. like I, I know He also how was
0: probably waiting to say that. Yeah.
1: Like yeah, he yeah, might yeah.
0: have scripted it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he probably you know? was sitting on that. that, a few that days. He was
0: probably sitting on that, you know. <laughs> Do you know what? Oh I'm- sure, be grand. <laughs> <laughs> Next. This is what I'll say. Oh, 100%. yeah, yeah. I do have a problem. Classic dads. Classic oh, yeah.
1: Dads. yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Especially
0: Irish dads. That's the one thing that I've noticed, like, <laughs> so far. Like, the, f- the few, like, I don't come across Irish dads, like, yeah, yeah, every yeah. day, but whenever I do, they're very, like,
1: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's not a problem. It's not a problem. 100%. I was having a great chat with um, sorry we'll get back onto the queer thing in a second but um, I was having a chat with um, a group of people last night and uh, sorry there's this guy in the balcony across the way right he's been chain smoking for the majority of the time we've been orange here orange hoodie what orange or yellow hoodie uh, it was the yellow hoodie but now he's out with no top on so that's hilarious he and he like eyeballed me during one of Stop. like yeah really? it's so funny yeah yeah look my god gone. he yeah, smokes he fucking smokes with his chimney I don't yeah. know what's going on there
0: I, I don't know if it's joints or cigarettes would your parents smoke?
1: My, they both used to. Um, used to cigarettes. Yeah, were we yeah, yeah. About, eh? Yeah. So they, um, my dad would have only really smoked when he drank. It's so funny when my mum and dad type. So my mom and dad are hilarious. Like they're like two comedians themselves like they're fucking mental are your brother and sister funny oh my god look like, I, I frequently think i'm the least funny person in the family do you i swear to god you're just a good like script writer i'm the i'm well, yeah the writing yeah. thing but i'm also the loon and this is what i like my group of friends as well i always say to james i'm like i'm the least funny in the group but like i am the one that when we were younger or whatever uh, this is my mom coming out me like one of the lads would be like do you know what be hilarious if we do an xyz whatever and then the other guys would go "Ha ha, that's funny and i'm like i'll do it yeah i'll fucking do it yeah give me oh. that give me that let's do it and uh, like i would you
0: were like a dennis the menace kind of yeah kind yeah. of thing
1: where um you know it would be like a well one of the things that's jumping to my mind right now is I went into the Chinese and placed an order when I was in an entirely blue morph suit, and your one was like freaking the fuck out. No, like and you I know it was in a blue morph suit and a pair of uh, red cons. Why? I remember. I don't know why. And I just <laughs> went. And one of the lads went in, like ordered a bag of chips or whatever, sat down, and then took his phone out and started recording. And then I walked in, and like I'm pretty blatantly wearing nothing but like a bra and knickers in the in the mor under the morph suit. And uh, I went in and just done the transaction as it was the most normal thing. And she was freaking out. She wouldn't even hand me my change. Like she she was standing back i think she thought i was gonna rob the place actually which isn't funny when i think about it now but you know but like, only
0: if you had the balaclava on
1: yeah yeah but that's the thing right my whole face was covered it was just this blue morph suit and red cons and and things like that and i sat there and i like waited and then half chicken balls whatever and like it was like thanks very much i went off and like so so there was always like that element to my personality where i was like yeah fuck yeah i'll do it that'll be hilarious like you so know were you shy? Yeah, I was shy when I was a kid. But when I then... Was, I don't... So, like, I was... Just, actually, um, still am. Like, uh, big noises. So anything like that would have set me off. So, like, motorbikes, fireworks, anything like that, couldn't deal with... My mom makes the joke a lot that, like, I was afraid of my own shadow to the point where when I was about two or three, they brought me to the Phoenix Park one day and I turned around and I was like, oh! <laughs> she was like, that would take you shadow like you're okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... I don't know where the confidence came from, really. I... I, do, I really don't know. I, I think it was always kind of a, a the funny one in class and, and that kind of thing. But like I never got attention in school. I never. Okay, you were the same. Okay. Cool. I was
0: the girl in front, right in front of the teacher. Yeah. So I wasn't the funny one at the back. I was yeah. the funnier one in front.
1: Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. not in trouble. Yeah.
0: Causing ca- chaos. Though. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
1: You know what or I like mean. I'd yeah exactly I was never like overly che- I was a messer but I wasn't like cheeky or I wasn't disrespectful or or whatever so yeah and and yeah I don't like and then I uh, that's what it was I so I started playing guitar when I was ten and then I picked up bass shortly after that and I was in a band when I was a teen so from the time I was like fifteen to like twenty two so that whole like stage presence thing I think kind of came eventually and actually uh uh won a a review or no a bio that one of the clubs put up about me there a club in Cork was like described my stage presence as punk rock um like of a punk rock stage presence and I was like I actually yeah I see where you're going with that because
0: where do you imagine like your ideal show going like if you were to visualize it
1: my as in like what is like like is it
0: like stadiums um is a tour
1: the apollo live is something that i would live to do um and i sometimes when i so i i I love sleep i love sleep so much i find getting to sleep a big challenge i'll be awake for like an hour or two after i go to bed so i kind of have to try and Improve that because my head's just racing constantly. Right, like I'm just constantly thinking whether it's comedy do you, work. Do
0: you take CBD?
1: Huh? CBD? Um, no, the other one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I go through phases where I stop that and will be on CBD because yeah, yeah. you know it, sleep it's, it's important to have a yeah. It's important to have a balance as well between yeah. like how much you might be consuming of one thing and you know all that kind of stuff so i think you just need to manage that pretty carefully but yeah like that kind of thing but again like <laughs> think I frequently my friend described me as a functioning stoner once and it made me laugh so hard because he he was like sometimes jesus i'd be i'd be worried if you didn't smoke because like, i don't know what i don't know i only do it in the evenings and it does help me get asleep and all that kind of stuff so that's fine but yeah so i i find sleeping quite difficult but um the what was i say th- oh yeah so so the thing one of the things that uh calms me down yeah is when i think about apollo live like what is it going to be like Whoa. when i get there and
0: calms you down yeah
1: calms wow. me down and i just visualize it and um i'm not i'm not one of these people that like overly believes in manifestation i believe like what can be will be if you have the right mindset and the right work ethic. But yeah, the Apollo Live is what I am manifesting hard. I'm like, what song am I gonna come out? Imagine what it's gonna be like standing behind those sliding things that, that open and you come out and the crowd's going nuts and, and the smoke and who's gonna be in the front row and who's gonna be backstage waiting for me and like, you know, all that kind of shit. And I, I love that. So that that to me would be a huge achievement. Obviously you've got your Vicar streets and stuff like that. That would mean so much to me. But already I've achieved things in my comedy career that like I stood on stage in Whelan's two years ago uh, for a final it's called the Cherry Breakout Act and it was the main stage in Whelan's it was a completely sold out show it was 250 people crammed into Whelan's and like that in the middle of the set I kind of you've the bottom floor and you've the top floor and I looked up and I was like I feel like a fucking rock star right now like this is a big deal to me so yeah I've been fortunate enough to do things like that you know.
0: I wanted to ask you considering that I have never done any live conversations or anything like yeah. that. How do you keep, not even your ego in check, but did you ever like get to a point where you were criticizing yourself because you're like, oh my God, I'm enjoying this a bit too much? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that's funny you say that cuz it's actually I would have considered it quite an Irish mentality where you're like oh I'm enjoying this is something wrong.
0: I'm telling you Catholic <laughs> shame. Yeah, it is Catholic shame. 100%. It's Catholic shame. One, it's 100%. not it's not the religion, it's uh, it's the people, you know, it's the yeah. mental it's the church's influence yeah. on our parents and taboo totally. and keep your head down. Yeah. That's what I mean when I say Catholic shame. I don't mean yeah. religion.
1: Yeah. But. Yeah, it is. It's like uh, I always make the joke like uh, Catholic shame is or dictates the fact that I will only masturbate in the dark at night (laughs) I don't do it yes yeah you know what I mean like that is that is it oh I'm going to say something really
0: bad but go if I really don't like someone I think they're like really full of themselves or something what I say is oh they definitely wank in the mirror Like, like that is my. I, I say that now. I
1: love that. That yeah, is so true. So, so the Irish version of that is Jay's. He, if he was a chocolate bar, he'd eat himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's and, and that's though. where I got like smacked in the head by. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're so spot on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. In terms of the, <laughs> 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 that was a tangent well worth going on. Um, yeah. So let's talk about life crafts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and wanking in front of them apparently no um yeah i Okay, so the ego thing like i always actually i thank mma for a lot of things um one of them so there used to be a sign in spg that said uh, no shoes no egos on the mat and I loved that um, and that's what I always think so so I play a game myself um, a lot of the time especially when if I'm going from work to a gig right I have a full on job and work and I do I'll hammer that out for eight ten hours a day and then I I close my laptop I put it in my bag and I go to the gig and when I'm on the way to the gig I always think I'm like okay it can only be this, it can only be this that's going through our head, our, yeah, I talk to myself, like, we're multiple people, um, that's probably a deeper issue, um, but I'm like, this is all we can focus on right now is gig, set, be funny, like, that's it, and I, I have to gear myself, so it's taking off one hat and putting on another hat, in terms of, like, am I enjoying this too much, I look at everything and I treat everything like a learning opportunity, I think that, um, I, I think that I always try and make hay while the sun shines. I'm very naturally an optimist and, and things like that. So, when things are going well, I acknowledge that they're going well. But I can always do better. If things are going badly, I acknowledge that we've had a bit of a fucking rough time of it at the moment. But you know what? Next week's going to be different and it's going to be okay. You know, so so that's I try and keep myself in check. I also have the benefit of seeing other comics around me whose egos are getting out of control or unjustified ego or, or you know whatever um and I learned from that because I have the benefit of seeing that firsthand and I'm like well I, do- I don't like that so you know I will never be that person I might I might do a good job in something and I'll acknowledge that I do a good job and I share that with the people closest to me um I got a very important phone call during the week um that uh is booking me for a thing that will come out soon and Stay uh, tuned. when I can talk but like like that my mom and dad now my chris knows james knows the person i'm seeing knows and say so you know what i mean like so i'll share it with the people that are quite close to me or or, you know in the circle or whatever and then outside of that you know just people people look at me and they say you know i don't know where you get the energy from or i don't know whatever i'm like i don't really know either but you know it's just um fueled by the want to learn all the time i think is 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 yeah
0: I agree with that. I think it's also acceptance Mm. in the sense of, uh, like, I don't have a massive platform, you know, like, Mm. I'm pretty much just very slow growth. You're building. Building. And it was fun. And so, like, you always hear of a lot of, like, people being like, oh, yeah, then the numbers got crazy, I blew up, and then that's where everything hit. And I was like, I don't know. I think I can only, you can only tell when you get there, but it's probably like once you accept that, listen, if this gets big, I am okay with it getting big. I'm okay with having fun with it. Then the chances of you losing touch with yourself are less.
1: 100%. does that make sense one i, I couldn't agree with you more and so coming from the social media specialist in me mm-hmm. what i would say to you is if i was looking at your content and looking at you're you're in the build phase right now mm-hmm. and something will happen whether it's next week next month next year yeah. something will happen but you know what that can be like a flash in the pan a viral video can be a flash in the pan what matters is what has happened before that and what has happened after that because being sustainable and and um Bit, you're not building to be viral you're building a fan base and, and my job as a comedian and and um you're as a content creator is well. yeah I'm gonna feel sorry. is is building your audience like that is your job as a comedian you know what i mean is to engage an audience and make them remember you and that is what's going to guarantee my success because i could go on mock the week now and have a great show um or you know do whatever have it you know and, and people will be like oh that they'll enjoy it for the 40 minutes or whatever and then never think about me again that's not what you want
0: how many guests would have gone on the late late show over here in ireland come on you get x amount of thousands of followers overnight yeah. you know what i mean yeah but then as in your engagement plummets yeah, yeah.
1: you know 100
0: which is so interesting eh yeah because you're kind of like okay what. I brought something good enough to the table to be recognized and go on the late late show yeah yeah but then what happens off that's the interesting 100 percent yeah. and like
1: the, the thing is right um and sorry I keep bringing it back to comedy terms but I do feel no, like no, it's relevant you're a to you know yeah, we'll yeah keep it and I, I feel like especially the modern day comedian needs to be co- a content creator as well right but oh yeah for sure. oh, like 100% like, uh, I
0: I love content and I love storytelling I wish yeah. I can do it more unfortunately I have a job yeah but if you want to be successful in this, probably even if you're an athlete. Yeah. Sorry, you have to be a content creator too. A
1: hundred percent, because it's the it's the cult of the personality now. That's what I was saying with you earlier, like your, your brand building and, and bringing you more into it. But like, I'm going to use Joanne McNally as an example at the moment, right? Because she has, um, so she's just done 31, or it was 30 gigs the other night. It was 30 gigs on Monday in Vicar Street she done, which I'm pretty sure has broken Des Bishop's record for the most sold out gigs in Vicar Street by an Irish comic but I need to I need to check that so she's probably on 32 33 now and the thing about Joanne is I was having a conversation with someone recently who isn't involved in comedy and they're like oh my god look she's you know that podcast and then she just came out of nowhere and I laughed and I was like oh you have no idea she has been grinding for so long to the point where um I was looking up something um about the Vodafone Comedy Festival um it's not called the Vodafone Comedy Festival now anymore but it you know was for years and she was one of the one of the like headline comedians in that festival in two thousand and fifteen. Like that's a fucking long ass time, you know, like that's seven years ago and now she's getting over- and she was in it. Like and that's when like if you're if you're like one of the faces of the Vodafone Comedy Festival in Ireland like, you're doing well for yourself. That is not an easy thing to get. So if you take that, and I don't know when she started, but it was probably easily 10 years before that. That is all that time spent grafting, doing gigs in, bar, in rooms of bars that nobody cares about and doing all that and building, 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 building. So this isn't a flash in the pan for Joanne McNally. One podcast episode didn't make her or one series didn't make her or one Vicar Street gig didn't make her. It was all the things that came before that, that when it did start happening for her. She was ready for it and she was okay with it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Mm, Yeah.
0: Like funnily enough, the shift. So like I've always tried different like aspects to content creation and it's only been podcasting that has stuck around. Mm, Yeah. Only episode 26, like for me. Right. But there came a point where things shifted with the podcasting where now I prioritize episode number. I don't prioritize listenership. I It makes oh, me more happy. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it yeah. makes me more happy when I see episode 30 and it's like going up the ranks in multiple countries. Yeah. I don't Of course, it's so nice. I remember being so buzzed when the episode with... Uh, bipolar bear, where Stephen Constantine, like that was yeah. such a. I was happy that that episode is what put me on the map. That because that
1: was really touching that episode. Yeah. I thought, yeah, it, it yeah. was
0: like a very meaningful. Like it could that that was it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was happy that that was charting on Spotify. But now whenever I get that email and it's like, look, South Africa, uh, Dominica, like. It's Incredible. not one, it's no. not number one, no. but like it's just the element of like consistency, yeah, like probably for you it's how many
1: gigs are under your belt 100 percent so when I was going to when we went into lockdown, I was very much in that mode, so mm-hmm. i I did uh I was talked about the maths of this recently, my first year I don't it was about I broke 150 gigs in my first year but that is something like, to boast about no it is not boast i mean but like it is if you are improving with everyone yes you know what i mean exactly. i think yeah 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 i think there are people who like go with that and then they're right. yeah <laughs> exactly though right exactly <laughs> yeah, and it, listen like everyone's like, special to in their husband. own way but yeah. like you know look i i the, that's because Mike and Khan said to me, like, eat as many minutes as you can. That's what you need to do in the early days. Just get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. And I told you, I was a nervous wreck for, before every single gig before the pandemic. Then we fucking, I hit that number. Then we went into the pandemic and I panicked that everything I had been building towards was just flushed down the toilet. It wasn't, and I'm so grateful it wasn't. But um, I so I lost count of gigs after the pandemic. I stopped because because none of that mattered to me anymore. What mattered to me was doing the thing I love the most in the world, uh, again, again, and again, and again. So now, um, but I can see now with the benefit of hindsight, I'm so glad I did that many gigs in my first year. But I was burnt out by the time the pandemic came. You know, I wasn't healthy. I was stressed. My sleep patterns were all over the place. I was a little bit chubby. I it was like chubbier than I I would have been that kind of thing. And you're just on the road, on the road, on the road, prioritizing comedy in the wrong way so now i'm a little bit more selective with gigs i just because i can do a gig doesn't mean i should do a gig sometimes mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah
0: now you can now you're in the position to pick and choose yeah you know yeah um probably at the early stages everything is unfortunately we kind of function out of desperation
1: yeah we do you're and
0: right. uh, that's what i learned like when it came to the job interviews i was yeah mm, and that screwed me up yeah big time I'd desperation say. kicks you in the ass
1: it's a powerful it's driver. so powerful mm. and you don't
0: even know it no and i think probably the main takeaway from this episode might be figuring out that balance like that's there's always a back and forth yeah you know yeah and it's so interesting like even with desperation because like you can call it putting your head down and hustle and all that. But then there is that desperation too. And I think it's the emotional attachment to everything that you put on it.
1: A hundred percent.
0: I got burnt out because I was very attached to my fear of failure. Yeah. And getting a job and like figure, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like you... (sighs) Be, you always hear like oh be kind to yourself or whatever like I, I find there's a weird duality to my personality okay and the, the, this is something I've talked about in another podcast with Cornelius there's a weird duality to my personality and I learning to balance that has been a struggle um and learning to be comfortable with both sides of the coin has been a struggle but I'm I'm getting there um there in terms of burnout and stuff like that there are how do I put this Um, when I started comedy yeah there was the franticness the the desperation yeah like I have to get as many gigs as possible because I have to be as good as possible as quick yeah 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 going to music open mic nights, like dude there's a music open mic night I need the five minutes so I need them like I don't want them I need them but now how I I look at it now is um, like I said just because I can do a gig doesn't mean I should do a gig at the same time how bad do you want it how bad do you want it because I tell you what this is what I want, like, and I'm, I'm going for it until, I'm going for it until I can't do it anymore, until I I physically can't stand on the stage anymore, like, and I don't know what end success looks like, I'm not in this for fame, I'm in this to tell a story, change people's days, weeks sometimes, sometimes, you know, like, I've had people come up to me after gigs in rural areas of Ireland, where they're like, it's so nice to see a queer comedian, because I'm gay, you know, no one knows or whatever. So you know, and like we, you touched on representation earlier, like that—that's a big deal. I understand now that my—I don't have much of a platform right now, but it's growing, and that's nice. But if I can use that to to lighten someone's load a little bit, or like fill their heart with a little bit of gladness, or give them the same feeling I felt when I saw that form that told me being afraid that everyone's gonna die around you is actually a normal part of life um or a normal part of grieving and stuff like that if i can offer that same level of comfort to someone one person in a room every time i gig then i'm doing something right so i don't know what i'm aiming for exactly i'm am i aiming for the apollo live yeah of course i am is that why i'm in this no 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 but
0: as cheesy as it sounds man you're just describing purpose It <laughs> you know is purpose I mean? actually you're right yeah like uh, that's it um, There is a difference between passion and purpose. Okay. That's something that I learned from the book Grit. Okay. And purpose is when it's outside of you. Yeah. Passion. It's- if comedy is your passion because it makes you feel better, yeah. you know that's yeah. all I'm fine. Not even fine and dandy. That's amazing. Yeah. The purpose is where it taps in from passion to purpose. Where yeah. You're like, I'm doing this. Yeah. Because it makes me happy, but I'm also seeing the benefit. That yeah. is giving to other people
1: okay i love that thank you and yeah that's where
0: you don't slow down
1: because okay so that's what i was going to say because it feels like passion is what got me into this almost or a bit of desperation as well to be fair passion is what got me into this but purpose is what has sustained me that's yeah. what that i think yeah, that's that, how that, i feel about it that's where
0: the thing is sustainable eh? Yeah, where you're just like where it doesn't matter how many listens yeah it matters like how often you're showing up yeah and to that like few people that it does like help them out or give them a new perspective yeah that's in it for like that's the reason behind take two yeah weirdly enough because if you google it there's probably like quite a few results but another take yeah I want like another perspective
1: I was gonna ask you yeah. where did the name for the podcast come from it was so. either
0: that or Shaw Show <laughs>
1: I like take two. I like Shaw <laughs> Show. I like Shaw Show. But take two is more I of what this Shaw is I think Shaw Show would have been quite an eye roll for a lot of people. Well, maybe, maybe, you know. maybe when you take the podcast on the road, yeah. that's what you should call it. Oh, is yeah. Shaw Show. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: we'll talk about that. I'm yeah, going yeah, to yeah, yeah. tell everyone <laughs> my fucking secrets. We'll take that conversation <laughs> we'll, offline. We'll take that conversation offline. So how are we for time? We're um, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sinead, where can people find you?
1: They can find me on Instagram uh Sinead Walsh comedy TikTok also Sinead Walsh comedy uh Twitter which I would less recommend um because yeah yeah uh, <laughs> I'm I'm um, I'm not very engaging on Twitter I suppose I I retweet funny oh, things I really
0: try to be but I know sure.
1: My friends are hilarious on Twitter, though. So if you want to like follow me to follow, follow them, I completely... Follow completely, Sinead for yeah, her retweets. Yeah, 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 <laughs> 100%. But yeah, Instagram and TikTok are my main uh, my main thing. It's so amazing. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Any final last words? I think I got a lot of wisdom out of you.
1: Oh, Jesus, I got a lot of wisdom out of you too. <laughs> um... Let me think. Any final words? Jesus Christ! I wish I was putting about you on the more. spot. You are.
0: I, this is the first time I did it because I hate putting people on the spot when it comes to introduce yourself. <laughs> I hate that. Yes, but I think I I enjoyed this. So I approached you mm. in time for Pride. Yeah. So yeah, I I hope that like some people just like found a little bit of like
1: yeah. I think yeah. I, I let me think about this with the pride theme for for every confident lovely gorgeous queer person that marches in pride there was a scared like very very fucking scared teenager or child or maybe adult as well there at some point and i think that in this modern day and age with corporations getting so involved in pride we've kind of lost sight of of maybe what it was or what it meant to certain people and some people just don't want to be part of a pride thing at all but i think that that's something for me when i whenever i go to pride is that that fear and that loneliness and that like self-hate that i felt for so long is there in every single one of us uh, or was there in every single one of us so the fact that we come together to celebrate that in the capital city of our country um you know with corporations marching side by side with us is so huge and yeah i think look back and on looking back on it now i think 13 year old sinead would be very proud and very happy of yeah. where i am now so like inner child yeah happy yeah. pride bitches
0: happy pride Our soul. be safe <laughs> in many ways please <laughs> please please. <laughs> please just for and your sake thank you everyone for listening thanks I guys bye webcams bye <laughs>